0: And Charlotte today is a very different town than it was even 10 years ago in terms of access to really cool ingredients that are, you know, more global ingredients, right? Not just the cucumbers and squash from, from the grocery store. It's, we've got farmers markets and we've got these great, you know, Hmong farmers and, and cool people doing cool stuff. So it's kind of taking Southern technique and Southern tradition and then shaping it with ingredients from from cultures that are they're that moving here and making the south what it currently is. Behind every amazing flavor is an amazing human who has perfected their craft. Welcome to Flavors Unknown, a series of inspirational conversations with renowned culinary leaders. Discover how their cultural identity shapes their creative process with your host, Emmanuel.
1: My guest today is Chef Chris Coleman from Goodyear House and Old Town Rock Hill in Charlotte, North Carolina. We talk about what Southern food means to him, his sources of inspiration, and his experience on TV cooking competition shows like Chopped, Beat Bobby Flay, and Alex vs. America. I am your host, Emmanuel LaRoche. I have been in the food industry for more than 20 years, both in Europe and in the U.S., and every other week, I have genuine conversations with acclaimed chefs who charge today's food culture. We talk about their successes and challenges, and how their cultural background influences their creative process. Please follow us wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe to our newsletter. You will get a free recipe booklet with some of the recipes from the chef's feature on this podcast. Please follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter on Flavors Unknown. And now let's welcome Chef Chris Coleman to the show. Hi, Chef. How are you? great. How are you? I'm very good. Thank you. I'm very excited to have you on Flavors Unknown.
0: Yeah, I'm excited to be here. Thanks for asking. Are you originally from from North Carolina? I am a unicorn in that I was born and raised in Charlotte. There's not a lot of us. Charlotte's a growing city, but a lot of transplants from you know the Northeast and the Midwest. And but uh, yeah, I'm I'm a Charlotte guy.
1: I've read somewhere that but you you know part of your family it's uh, you know from further down south, correct? I've seen that uh, you have already uh, read that you spent some summers in uh, the farm in Mississippi with your grandparents.
0: That's right. Yeah. Both sets of grandparents were in Mississippi and both in the Hattiesburg region, which is deep, deep south. (laughs) So I I would go down. My grandfather was a, a train conductor. And so he would get us tickets for Amtrak, you know, in Charlotte. And my parents would put us on the train. You know, this is. Twenty years ago, when it was maybe a little safer just to put your kids on a train without adult supervision and and send us on our way to to the tiny town of Purvis, Mississippi, which is where we would spend you know four, six, eight weeks at a time on the farm and it was it was pretty idyllic so
1: what was the food and the and the smell that reminds you of of your childhood?
0: There's definitely one one in particular, and it's my grandmother's cast iron biscuits, so she would make not every day but you know while we were there in the summertime we would wake up and there'd be breakfast generally on the table by the time like you know my brother and I got out of bed but she had this big cast iron skillet that she had had for way before I was born and so it was well seasoned and and things would just slide right off of it but she had the best biscuits in the world and they were cast iron drop biscuits so there was no rolling or you know, laminating or anything like that. It was just to make the dough and spoon it into the cast iron, and they were really crunchy on the outside and crumbly in the middle. And it's one of my favorite things to make to this day. But the smell of those coming out of out of the oven definitely takes me back to to that little table, you know, in the middle of the kitchen in, in Mississippi.
1: Do you remember with you know what they were eating? You know, uh, together with like the biscuits or.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. Now, momma, you know, in the south, we call our grandmother's momma or mimi or whatever. So, but momma, in this case, you know, she had she had blueberry bushes, she had fig trees, and she would also get strawberries or or peaches from her neighbors, essentially, and had a a great cellar in her laundry room, a great section of of canned produce and everything from okra and pickles to the the figs, the blueberries, the things I just mentioned. So there was always generally a can open of her her fig preserves or her, her blueberry jam. And my favorite, she would do this kind of little hack. It was her strawberry preserves, but there was no actual real strawberry in it. And it was the figs from her tree with strawberry jello, and she would make that, and it was oh, wow. fantastic. Is that strawberry? big combo but you know artificial strawberry there's something about that as a kid that you know it's in kool-aid it's in popsicles it's you know all these things and and that so a little a little fresh butter those that's you know strawberry fig and maybe a little drizzle of a of a sorghum molasses or something was really all you needed that that was breakfast
1: That was breakfast. That was Very breakfast. cool. That great memory throughout the years, and then even today. I mean, have you, you know, created dishes around this and got inspired by, you know, that experience of the breakfast with Momo?
0: Yeah, those biscuits have definitely made appearances in, in multiple restaurants. So the first restaurant that I ever was an exact chef at. It was a small restaurant, 25 seats. We did kind of chef's tasting menus and I'm not a pastry chef at all, but I know how to make those biscuits. And so I made a, a white chocolate biscuit that we served with a, a barbecued peach and a buttermilk ice cream that was, that was fantastic. The first restaurant that I opened was called the Asbury. It was inside of the Dunhill Hotel, which is a really old boutique hotel in Charlotte. And we we opened the Asbury and knew that the biscuits were going to be a staple menu item. And so we actually drew in a little cast iron skillet into the logo of the restaurant. And, and we served Mama's biscuits with bacon jam. And that was one of our appetizers that, that was huge. And then most recently, I, I competed on Alex versus America on the Food Network. And took a return trip to those white chocolate biscuits and made a dessert on that program with like caramelized white chocolate biscuits and a roviola cheese ice cream that was that was really, really, really tasty. So that like again, I'm not a pastry chef, but I've made those biscuits enough, you know, to to have them in my back pocket. I cooked at the James Beard house a few years ago and and was pretty adamant that bread service was, was gonna be the biscuits. So, you know, it's something that I can make from just from memory from touch you know
1: you mentioned you you competed on the, the food network like you like you know alex versus america but mm-hmm. before you had been on chopped you had been on big bobby flay so right what was this what this desire to you know to be on those cooking show or cooking show competitions came from
0: i i think it's a couple of things right i'm a i'm a business owner i have two restaurants so you know, all publicity is good publicity for the most part. <laughs> and if you compete on the you know, national stage, like the Food Network, then that's, there's no better publicity than that. I've always enjoyed competition. And all of those shows are competitions at heart. And I've always been a bit of a ham. You know, I just, I love kind of entertaining people. And, you know, at the end of the day, those are cooking shows. They take place in the kitchen. But you're still making entertainment, you know, you're still making television. And and so it's a way for me to kind of do a lot of things at once, right? I'm I'm getting my restaurants' names out there, I'm getting my name out there, I'm entertaining people, I'm having fun, I'm challenging myself, I'm competing against, you know, my peers. So it it's just a lot of fun. I mean that's that's at the end of the day, that's the one reason to do it is that it's it's fun.
1: Yeah, so I guess you had great experience. So we probably be going to see you more on on those show in the fu- in the future.
0: Yeah, maybe. I mean, perhaps you know, you do you do one of one of the shows, and if you do well, you know, did Chopped first and and won, and the same production company that does Chop does Beat Bobby Flay. So you know, they saw it. My name was on their list, so they called, and then I ended up winning on that show, and then that caught the eye of the producers of Alex vs America, and so it's you know you do one thing and that's you know it's like life you do one thing and you do it well it kind of snowballs into other
1: so any big lessons that you have learned from your participations
0: to these shows you know the shows like i said are you're just making entertainment you're making television but i think that i am at my best on those shows when i don't take what i'm doing too seriously and i just have fun
1: let's come back to, you know, to the, the food part. When did your passion for cooking start? Was it like in the, the kitchen of your grandmothers or or did it start af- after that?
0: Mom was a stay-at-home mom during that part of my life. She didn't go back to work until I was, you know, 10 or 12. So every every night, you know, dad would come home from work, mom would have made dinner, and we would all sit around the table and just talk about our day, you know? And as a young kid that's that's pretty impactful to just have that kind of quality time with your parents and and then the food was pretty good to boot. So, you know, mom was a great was a great cook. And and my dad too. I, I give credit to my mom and my grandmother all the time and my dad could make a mean red sauce and his he's not Italian, but his Italian food is like his you know Italian American food was pretty spot on. So we I grew up in a in a family that just loved to eat. And so that's that's definitely where the love for cooking came from was
1: so how would you describe your style of cooking today
0: i think that my my brand and and kind of who i've you know created myself to be is this guy who you know celebrates southern food and what it can be and that's really just kind of you do your best work with what you know and you know I, i always try to continue and continuously challenge and push myself and learn new things and you know, a lot of times these days I'm learning new things from the people I work with, you know, I'm learning new things from my chef cuisines and my sous chefs and my line cooks. And, you know, that's, that's pretty awesome. But I know Southern food. I'm from the South. My family's from the deep South. Having said all that, you know, Charlotte, like we said at the top is a, is a city of transplants. It's a city of growing culture and growing community. And it's, it's inspiring to see Africans and people from Eastern Europe and Western Europe and people from Central and and Latin America kind of move into the city and bring their cultures with them and bring their food culture with them. And Charlotte today is a very different town than it was even 10 years ago in terms of access to really cool ingredients that are, you know, more global ingredients, right? Not just the cucumbers and squash from, from the grocery store. It's We've got farmers' markets and we've got these great you know hamong farmers and and cool people doing cool stuff so it's kind of taking southern technique and southern tradition and then shaping it with ingredients from from cultures that are that are moving here and making the south what it currently is
1: for you when you talk about like the modern version of southern food, this is exactly that correct this is like these influences that come from you know, other part as uh, could be the other part of the US or, you know, further away and that are influencing with uh, different ethnic groups that are bringing their, you know, ingredients, spices and herbs and, and, and techniques as well. So, can you give us some example of maybe things that, uh, you know, that you have done? And, and I'm, I'm sure we need to, to talk a little bit as well at, about, you know, Goodyear House and, and Old Town Rock Hill. Yeah. So, if you want to, to give some example of things that you have done in that illustrate this m- modern aspect of Southern food,
0: yeah, sure. Yeah, you know, so I think one dish that kind of really kind of sums up everything that you know I mean when I talk Southern food is. On our opening menu at Goodyear House, we had the guinea hen stew. A guinea hen is a bird that you find on a ton of southern farms and they're kind of the the watchdog of the southern farm. You know, they they sit up high on top of houses or on top of barns and they're really loud. So if someone is coming onto their property they don't recognize, they start to immediately kind of sound the alarm. You know, but the guinea hen came over from Africa, right? So it was born out of Slavery, which is a, a really terrible tradition. It's a really terrible thing that happened, but I feel like we have to we have to talk about it. You know, we have to kind of learn from it as a as a culture, as a people. So you have this ingredient in the bird that came from Africa has been raised in the southern United States since the slavery colonial days. And then we combined it with Japanese techniques of dashi and and boiled hen. So I, I grew up eating my mother's chicken and rice, which is a simple, you know, one pot throw together in a hurry kind of meal where it's boiled chicken and you cook the rice in the same broth that you use to boil the chicken and shred it and just kind of, there's your there's your meal, right? Just shredded chicken and rice, and so we decided we wanted to kind of pay homage to all of those things, but also in a more updated, modern way. And so we we got a farm to grow guinea, and for us, for our restaurant, we made a dashi, a very traditional Japanese dashi with different, a couple of different kinds of seaweed and some dried mushrooms and dried shrimp and bonito and and all this stuff, and made this really flavorful. Bright earthy dashi that you would normally have with a ramen. We would then boil the guinea hen in that dashi, and then we also cooked Carolina Gold rice in that dashi. So Carolina Gold is a rice that was almost extinct until Anson Mills brought sure, it back with Mister Sean Brock. You know, right? Yeah, exactly. We we have a lot to, a lot to thank Mister Sean Brock for. But you get me started, I'll talk for forty five <laughs> minutes about Carolina Gold. But you know, it was. This is the crop that founded the South, you know, this, this rice. And, and now we have farms in North and South Carolina growing it again. And it's fantastic. You know, I just visited a farm out in, on the East Coast on Oriental, North Carolina, that is growing the first Carolina gold to be grown in the state in over 100 years. And, you know, so we're using an old, an old bird, an old rice, cooked in a dashi and served with uh, some pickled collard greens on the side. It was a fantastic dish. It was very simple, you know. It's just it's just shredded hen and rice and some pickled greens. But it's it's combining you know hundreds of years of ingredients and also a technique that is until recently pretty foreign to North Carolina and and that kind of dashi preparation and into a dish that's really simple but beautiful and and tasty and
1: so for me too, and the people listening to understand is is like the end let's say structure of the dish like more brothy or it was just like those ingredients cooked in the you know the dashi slash you know broth it, it was more
0: brothy it it's was brothy. it okay. was a okay. it was a it's not the way that my mom made it you know she sure. would have you would just have boiled ham yep. and, and yep. rice yep. on a plate that. dry yep. Yep. and you had to put a ton of salt and pepper on it to kind of choke it down but <laughs> you know we we wanted to serve it Almost like you'd get a a bowl of noodles. Got it. uh, So it had a good bit of that dashi in there, and
1: that was part of the so the the Goodyear House, correct menu you said? Correct. So can you talk to us a little bit about you know what kind of food that you serve at, at the Goodyear House, and how is it different compared to like the you know the Old Town Rock Hill?
0: So Goodyear was the first restaurant that we opened, and we opened it in 2020, right? You know, a month and a half before the pandemic kind of shut America down. And so great time to open a restaurant. Yep. But, you know, we, we kind of set out with a little simpler menu, and we've evolved over the, the two and a half years we've been open. We set out, to, we said, you know, the, the founding principles of Goodyear House, of our menu was simple food with complex flavors. And, you know, we always kind of asked ourselves the question, what would... What would Mama or what would Mom have made to put on the dinner table had they gone to culinary school? You know, had they been classically trained? How would that influence their cooking? And, you know, we have we have since kind of developed a style at Goodyear that is is Southern, but it's also progressive. It's also it it really kind of embraces a lot of these cultures that we've been speaking of. And each menu, we, we change the menu every four to six weeks, depending on kind of the micro seasons of, of what the farms around us are growing. Each iteration has a kind of a theme to it. And it's not something that we set out to say like, okay, we're going to do updated versions of classic French cuisine. But we kind of start to ideate menus. and And there always seems to be kind of a, a line you can pull all the way through the menu items and say like, okay, this is a very French menu or this is a a very Northern African menu. This is a very Northern Mexican menu. And I think it's just, it's kind of fun for us to explore the different cuisines and cultures. So it's, again, it's got a Southern backbone, but it's not really a Southern restaurant.
1: So the first one is, uh, you're talking about, you know, Southern food and listening to you, obviously, you know, I heard, You're talking about the deep south, you know, in Mississippi, where your grandparents are from. But you are talking about as well, the, you know, the gold rice from, you know, the low country part. And then you are not too far from, you know, the Appalachia, you know, as well. So all those areas are very different, you know, because when we talk about like the the culture from the south, it's, you know, it goes from you know, that's me, the French talking about this, but that's funny, but, you know, like from the Eastern part of Texas (laughs) to, you know, to the Atlantic Ocean. So, so, and it's, you know, I had the chance to travel in all the different States, you know, there and, and the food is, is really different. So, so when you are talking about the Southern food, is it like taken from different parts of things that you really enjoy and you like, or is it more coming from specific, you know, specific areas?
0: That's a great question. I'm glad you Mention that because a lot of for folks who haven't been to the South, it's it it can seem very yeah. you Yeah, know, like and it's it is not the yeah. South. Yeah, uh, and it's not. I mean, yeah. there's as many there's as many regions in in the South as there are in France. Or as there Correct. are in Italy, sure. you know? So for us, it's probably a bit more Carolinian focused and it's, and it's probably a bit more coastal Carolinian. You know, my, my chef de cuisine at Goodyear House, I've worked with him now for five or six years and he is a, a Charlotte native as well. So we both grew up in this area. Even though my family's from Mississippi, we both grew up in this area. And I think that it has definitely influenced our, our cooking and our identi- our identities are who we are. So it is a bit more rice focused. It's a bit more chicken and pork focused in terms of proteins, you know, with a healthy dose of seafood in there as well. We don't grow a lot of cattle in North Carolina, although there's some farms who do a good job of it. So, you know, it's definitely a bit more kind of coastal plains and Piedmont. However, you know, I did grow up going to, to the deep south of Mississippi and, and picking up some of that, and some, and my mom grew up. So, what is this? The what, is um, what, what is that?
1: Um, what is that? Is it like specific right. ingredients? Is it it's specific you know, ingredients? Techniques?
0: It's you know, catfish, it was huge down in southern Mississippi. They grow a lot of catfish in, in Mississippi. It was a bit of the Cajun Creole influence sneaking into the southern Mississippi. Gumbo is a dish that we serve at, at Rock Hill at our menu in Rock Hill. It's it's a dish that my mom made all the time so there's a bit of that cajun creole kind of french you know canadian influence there's the way that the the way biscuits are made the way the gravies are made are a little bit different in in mississippi than they are in north carolina It's it's a flatter biscuit it's not a tall biscuit and that's the biscuit that i enjoy eating you know so there there's definitely some different you know influences
1: when you, you you know you you ideating and you know on menu so i guess it's a collaboration effort correct that's yes uh, definitely okay with the team
0: yeah it's we've got a i've got a fantastic team at, at both restaurants and you know the menu at, at Goodyear house when we opened was probably 80% mine and 20% the rest of the team and now it's a it's 50-50 if not if not shifting more away from me, my, like I said, my CDC, Tyler Long, I've worked with him since, you know, this is the third restaurant we've worked at together. And I'm, I'm trusting him to kind of guide the day-to-day operations of the restaurant while we open more concepts. And I you know, keep competing on food network shows. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, So he's, he's got a lot of menu okay. influence right now.
1: Okay. So let's talk about the old town Rock Hill now.
0: Sure. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, in the summer of 2021, so just you know, over a year ago, we opened up our second concept, and it's called Old Town Kitchen and Cocktails, and it's in in Rock Hill, South Carolina. Which, if you're not familiar with geography, Charlotte is on r- literally sits on top of the border of North and South Carolina, and Rock Hill is kind of a feeder market for Charlotte, and but has its own very, you know, its own distinct, you know, city culture and and everything it's an old mill town and you know we wanted to open up a restaurant that was kind of our ode to the classic neighborhood american restaurant or american neighborhood restaurant that is it's a little more old school it's not quite as progressive you know it really celebrates kind of that old southern cooking so there's you know, lots of kind of stewed and braised vegetables. There's a lot of smoked meats. You know, we've got a fried catfish on the menu. So it's it's the restaurants that I grew up going to in the South, you know, or in Charlotte back in the 80s. So it's a little more, you know, whereas Goodyear House is the menu is a little more free-flowing and there's not, you know, traditional kind of appetizers and salads and entrees. It's a little bit more like psych- Plates at at Old Town. It is you know you can go in and get an appetizer and a salad and there's a soup section and there's a sandwich section and so it's more kind of classic Americana. And
1: are you rotating like the recipes in those sections based on the seasons and what's available?
0: And yes, sir. So that was one thing we wanted to do. Is you go to a lot of those restaurants and it's kind of the same menu year round, but we wanted to take the idea of the restaurant but also be able to play with with seasonality and local, you know, ingredients. So it's, we change the menu seasonally there. You know, we're writing, as we're recording, we're in the thick of summer, but we're working on a fall menu that'll come out and later in September, when it starts to cool down a bit down here and we start to see squash and, you know, celery root and stuff like that popping up. So it's still, it's a bit more of a set menu, but it does still change within the seasons.
1: Are those set menu based on some some of the recipes in those set menus are like similar and then you are rotating ingredients so yes. let's say it could be like like a salad but you know maybe a salad we're using you know vegetables and, and fruits from the summer and then after that it goes into you know like what's available in in the fall
0: yeah very very much so so we've, we've got kind of a harvest salad that is whatever Vegetable or fruit is of the moment. You know, today it has watermelon and blackberry on it, but you know, in a few weeks it'll likely have apples on it, and then you know we start to get into we're harvesting pecans and that kind of stuff here in a month or so. So it, it does. It's a set menu, but it changes with the season.
1: Can you give us an, an example of a, an entrees that you are there? that are like based on like traditional you know menu.
0: Right now we have a. Trout on the menu—that's really tasty. It's, it leans a bit more into my deep South Mississippi roots. You know, we just spoke about kind of Cajun and Creole influence there. You know, so we're doing a, a trout, which is a North Carolina grown trout, so it's a local trout. But we blacken it and serve it over a shrimp and okra gumbo with that same Carolina gold rice as the base. You know, so it's it's North Carolina ingredients, but with some of that that deep deep south cajun cooking kind of seeping into it it's pretty straightforward you know it's, it's just make a good gumbo and make you know get a great trout and cook the rice properly and you've got a good dish you know we don't have to we're not infusing any other influences into that this is a straight kind of cajun dish <laughs>
1: So uh, talking about a dish, I would like to pick your brain and and I always ask my guests to share like a, a guideline of a recipe of a dish that they can make. And But what will be your unique spin, you know, on it? So, you know, the spin from Chris Coleman on, on the southern dish. So what would you suggest <laughs> me to make or, you know, people that are listening to make?
0: Hmm. Yeah, the guinea Hen dish that we spoke about with Goodyear House is a pretty simple. You know, an at-home cook could probably do that, and you can sub in chicken for the guinea hen. But you know, there's a there's a prevalence of the Japanese ingredients in in most urban markets now. Is it's pretty mind blowing. So you can get, you know, not just the traditional kombu but you can get different varieties of seaweeds now pretty pretty readily and bonito flakes and dried shrimp and and dried mushrooms and stuff so you know making a good dashi and then using that dashi to to boil your chicken and that's one thing too that you hear about boiled poultry and it, it can be a little off-putting because it's you're taught or at least in classically you know kind of french focused culinary programs you don't boil meat because you're going to like, you can boil it dry and you can definitely do that. But if you do catch it at the right time and it's cooked, the chicken will be fully cooked through and still be really tender and juicy. You just can't, don't want to overboil it. But it's a quick way, a relatively quick way to kind of cook a chicken. And then, you know, when we shred the, the meat of, of the hen, of the chicken, we'll make a, a quick uh, dressing of lemon a little bit of ginger and some olive oil and then toss the chicken into that dressing so it it infuses the chicken the pulled chicken with those flavors of lemon and ginger but it also kind of hydrates any any bit of the chicken it's a little overcooked so try boiling a chicken and try doing it in an infused broth or stock or dashi and then you know pull the chicken and you've got pulled chicken meat you can put into a wrap or on top of a salad or you oh, know, cool. or, yeah, true. or in a chicken and rice dish you know so um, yeah, yeah. that's something that is is pretty easy that a home cook could could accomplish
1: i heard one thing i heard olive oil and i'm thinking yeah. about your ancestors from the deep south I said where have you put <laughs> the butter where is the butter
0: well you know i <laughs> it's funny i i love butter especially if you're making a biscuit you have to have a good you have to have good sure. butter but but you know I'm trying to eat a little bit healthier <laughs> and we've got we've got olive farms now in Georgia and Texas that, that are producing great olive oil so really? I use oh, that I it, don't yeah. know that okay yeah. so all I have, the there's a the, there's a blend it's called it's it's from a farm down in Georgia that also produces pecan oils and sesame oils and things but they have an olive oil that is it's spectacular it's it's really fruity and
1: very cool. So you mentioned, you know, the two restaurants, to mentioned spending time as well, you know, on network, on the food network and, and TV. So you're doing a lot of things. So where are you at the moment at the stage in, in your, in your career? What, what's next for, for, uh, for you?
0: I was lucky enough to meet my my two partners in business a, a few years ago, Sean Potter and AJ Clink, And we formed a restaurant group called Built on Hospitality. And we, so we own and operate, you know, two restaurants right now. We are in the development stages for number three as we speak. And Charlotte as them. well? in Charlotte. Yeah, it's actually okay. going to be right yep. next to Goodyear House, so we Okay. we're working on a pretty cool concept for that space. It's going through some permitting stuff right now. And we're looking at, you know, spaces all over all over the rest of Charlotte as well. You know, our goal was to open five restaurants in five years, and it's a pretty ambitious goal, but we're we're all in our 30s right now and so we're going to keep pushing while we can. So, right now and and Where I'm at, you know, I'm, I've got a family, I've got a wife that I love and I've got two kids and I'm lucky enough to have partners who also are married and have, have families and kind of understand and value the importance of that. And uh, yeah, yeah, we all believe in, in kind of a balance and, you know, for sure working hard, but also giving yourself enough time to, to play, to play hard and, and have time with your family and, and we try to do the same thing for all of our employees, you know, make sure that, that our, our managers are working you know, 45 hours a week, 50 hours a week at most, that our, our cooks have the support that they need to have lives outside of the kitchen and our servers are taken care of and everybody. So for us, it's about building a, a mini restaurant empire that can create a lot of jobs and create some financial stability for everyone involved. So there could be more TV, there could be more entertainment. I I always like to get on stage when I can, but there's definitely going to be more restaurants.
1: Okay, very good. Let's finish our conversation with a series of rapid fire questions, if I may. You and I are going on a testing tour in Charlotte. So beside of you see your restaurants, what are like the five spots that you will take me to?
0: Oh wow. Charlotte has a lot going on right now, but Greg Collier, Leah and Louise, has been recently recognized as a James Beard finalist this year. The first finalist that Charlotte's ever had. And we're very proud of of Greg and Sabrina and what they're creating. So we would probably go eat Leah's cabbage and the river chips, which are fried chicken skins at Leah and Louise. They're they're fantastic. We would definitely go to Bruce Moffitt's Italian restaurant called Stagione, you know. Funny enough, Bruce was just in Savannah last week catering J-Lo and Ben Affleck's wedding. And he's a fantastic chef and kind of one of the OGs in Charlotte. But his Italian restaurant, Stagione, turns out beautiful pasta and pizzas. They have a broccoli pizza that's out of this world. I think we would probably head up to north of Charlotte and go to Hello Sailor, Joe and Katie Kindred. Also, James Beard nominees for you know, four or five years running with Kindred. Have a another restaurant on Lake Norman called Hello Sailor that is a seafood restaurant, and they have Craig Deal working with them there, who is another James Beard nominated chef from Charleston. But they have these little blue crab claws with chili crisp and and mayonnaise that mm. is a fantastic mm. little mm. snack. What else? We would probably have to hit up Nika on Central avenue for some lengua and barbacoa tacos and then finish down southeast of charlotte lambs and do the angry lobster it's a cantonese restaurant that is run by a friend of mine elton and his spicy angry Lobster is, is fantastic (laughs)
1: <laughs> very cool and thinking about friend of yours i think that maybe we should stop at bob peter's garage you know and have a yes drink definitely as well. <laughs>
0: yeah his, his garage is something else i mean i'm telling you what he built a studio and a garage and a garage and has the best whiskey and, and bourbon selection yeah. in charlotte you know exactly garage. So we, should,
1: we should do there what is your favorite guilty pleasure food
0: Oh man, I love salty foods. I'm more of a salty snack guy than a, than a sweet snack guy. I love cheddar and sour cream, ruffled potato chips. It's the best flavor combination ever. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> it really is. That's the guilty pleasure. I could eat a bag at, at night. I have to put them away, you know. Three cookbooks that inspired you the most. The French Laundry Cookbook was my textbook. You know, was my textbook in my in my twenties. Sean Brock's Heritage, great yep. cookbook. Beautiful book. And yep. and, and yes yes, yes, South too, it.
1: huh? So which is great too.
0: Yeah, and South is great. Yeah. South yep. is a great yeah, book yep. as well. And then probably the Alenia cookbook, Grant Atkins' cookbook. I was really big into molecular cooking in my early twenties and and learned a lot just from reading that and studying menus at Ebley and stuff. And I, you know. With both with both the and the French laundry I read them like books and you know, I sat down and I, and I read them cover to cover and, and a lot of times <laughs>
1: so. What's your biggest pet peeves in the kitchen?
0: my the biggest pet peeve I have and I think that a lot of chefs share this is just when you have a cook who doesn't care you know you can you can teach a, a cook anything. In a kitchen, but you can't teach them to care. And for me, the the biggest, biggest pet peeve is when you know that that cook is passionate and and does you know value what they're doing, but maybe they're having an off day and they just don't they don't care, you know, or you can tell that something outside of work is affecting them, and that's the biggest pet peeve. And it's not you know, unfortunately, it's not something that you can ever. Guard against, you know, like our personal life is always going to affect work, but that's the biggest one.
1: And and my last question: beside the classics, what condiments, spices, sauces, or dressing do you like to have on hand at home?
0: I like to have a chimichurri or or kind of an herb verde type, you know, green sauce at home. I honestly kind of like a garlic, like garlicky mayonnaise type, you know, makes like an aioli, but a little bit heavier in the garlic. And then there's a spicy mustard out of North Carolina called Lusty Monk. It's made right outside of Asheville. And it is very pungent, very kind of horseradishy, and a dab, a dab will do it. You know, you don't need much of of that mustard. It's fantastic. It just kind of elevates and brightens everything.
1: Chef, thank you so much you know for your time. I really appreciate that, you know, you decided to come to to the show. So thank you.
0: Thank you. It was fun.
1: Thank you for listening today. I need to put Charlotte on my travel destination list. I haven't been there in almost 10 years. Please share this episode with a family member, a friend or a colleague, as I always welcome new listeners to the show. The next episode will be with Chef Leia Gaccione from South End Pine in Morristown, New Jersey. I had her already in a panel discussion during the pandemic with Chef Sam Freund from White Birch. This time, we will be recording this episode face-to-face in her restaurant in Morristown, New Jersey. I see you in two weeks. And until then, remember that people who love to eat are always the best people.
0: Thanks for listening to Flavors Unknown. If you've enjoyed this episode, give us a follow on Instagram at Flavors Unknown and visit us at flavorsunknown.com. Don't forget to leave us a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts.